Welcome to this first of my weekly news roundups of what has caught my eye this week in the tech world, focusing on the Apple ecosystem and all the things that are newsworthy, useful and fun in this world. Let's kick off this week with what's going on with new planned Apple Macs that may be released later this year. New products are imminent, including a new Apple iPhone 14 color, which is happening very, very soon by all accounts latest rumor I've heard is yellow. Mark Gurman at Bloomberg is reporting that Apple's next iMac desktop is at an advanced stage of development called Engineering Validation Testing or EVT. And the company is carrying out production tests on the machine as I record this roundup. The next iMac will continue to come in the same 24 inch screen size as the current model, which was announced back in April 2021, which is almost two years ago now. The versions being tested also come in the same colors as the current iMac, a palette that includes blue, silver, pink, and orange. The new iMacs will of course be more powerful with a new M series chip to replace the M1. There's also some behind the scenes changes in some internal development component relocations and redesigns. While development of the new iMacs is now in EVT, it's not expected to go into mass production for at least three months from now. That means it won't ship until the second half of 2023 at the earliest. Still, this is a great development for anyone disappointed that Apple's all-in-one desktop hasn't been updated in those two years. I know that I'm eyeing one up, but that processor bump means a lot to me. But I'm possibly also looking at a Mac Mini instead. More on that dilemma in a future video. So what processor will it have for that bump? Well, according to Mark, Apple has developed the next iMac on the same timeline as the M3 chip. So I'd expect it to be one of the company's first M3 based machines. But the chip destined for the new MacBook Air models that are also expected soon is slightly less clear. If those machines launch in a few months with the M2 chip, they'll quickly become outdated. A 15 inch MacBook Air with an M2 chip may still excite consumers because they'll be buying for the increased screen size and value a MacBook Air price point. Screen size will trump faster processors in those buyers considerations. But a new M2 13 inch MacBook Air is unlikely to be compelling. You're gonna want something faster for your money or else what's the point in upgrading? So it's actually plausible that Apple is gearing up for at least the new 13 inch model to be an M3 machine, making it comparable to those new iMacs coming out soon too. Nine to five Mac is claiming sources indicating that both the 15 inch and 13 inch upcoming MacBook Airs will both have the M3 processor. Maybe. It's also rumored that the M3 chip will also land in a revamped iPad Pro with OLED screens that could be scheduled for the first half of 2024. I'll certainly have my eye on that. But the really exciting upgrades into the middle of this decade God, that sounds like a long way off, but it really isn't. Includes likely the first MacBooks with OLED screens and touch support. I can hear Steve Jobs starting to spin in his grave even now, two years before a hypothetical slated release date. He really didn't like touch screens on Macs. In other Apple innovation news, you may have also heard about Apple's Hush Hush exploratory design group working on a no prick glucose monitor with the ability to measure your blood sugar without having to break your skin. 
that is a massive market if they can figure out how to do that reliably and signals a further development in shaping Apple up as a company with a significant health services arm and all the revenue that could possibly generate. Goldmine is the phrase that comes to mind and I'll come back to that at the end of this video. Next up, when will the switch to USB-C from Lightning ports happen? And will it happen everywhere or just the EU? Just to catch you up here, in 2022, the EU managed to pass legislation requiring Apple to equip its iPhones with USB-C ports by 2024 if it wants to sell them in that trading area. Hmm, I wonder if they meant the start of 2024 or by the end of 2024, because if the end of 2024 is acceptable, then we might see another year of lightning ports before any switch. Anyway. What the heck do I know? Another question is whether Apple will switch all iPhone models to USB-C or just those sold in the EU. Apple already modifies its iPhone models regionally as it has done with the iPhone 14. The US version has an eSIM while other variants retain that SIM slot like here in New Zealand. However, there are good reasons to move all iPhones to USB-C moving forward, according to Avi Greengard, analyst at Techsponential, in his email to CNET. There are larger ecosystem security and accessory considerations with the power stroke data connector. So I think it is more likely that Apple moves all iPhones globally to USB-C in the iPhone 16 timeframe to comply with the European regulations. Note iPhone 16. All right, let's talk iPhone SE 4. Is it back on again? Despite previously saying that it had been canned, in a Twitter thread, analyst Ming-Chi Kuo says Apple has restarted the project and that the iPhone SE 4 will feature an OLED display, but from a budget supplier rather than Samsung, which Apple has grown pretty reliant on. He predicts that the phone will be more or less a minor modification of the 6.1 inch iPhone 14 and that it will go into production at the beginning of 2024, presumably coinciding with a release later that year. So that's still pretty far away and still pretty big. So much for those holding out that the mini format last seen in the amazing 13 mini, you know I'm a big fan, right? Is going to somehow be resurrected in the SE format. That's not looking likely if these reports are anything to go by. It is still pretty cheap compared to other Apple iPhone offerings, but it'll also be pretty big. Boo. Next up, some Windows news. Not something I've been covering that much, but in this case, it's worth reporting on. Windows users will soon be able to send and receive iPhone messages directly from their PCs. This may not sound like a big deal, but it represents an opening in Apple's platform fortress. The company has closely guarded iMessage, viewing it as an important way to distinguish its products. Despite complaints from rivals and antitrust scrutiny, Apple has kept the messaging app firmly, tightly, locked down. But this new Windows method is only going to be text messages and it involves quite a complicated workaround. Here's how it's going to work. Using a Microsoft app called PhoneLink, users can sync with their mobile devices via Bluetooth. Texts sent from the computer are relayed to the iPhone, which then sends them as iMessages. Incoming texts are transmitted wirelessly back to the PC 
from the iPhone. The result is clearly not as rounded out as the Messages app on a Mac. The Windows version doesn't support group messages, photos, or video, but it offers a taste of what could be possible if these platform giants can ever play nicely together. The iOS functionality is only available as a Windows Insider preview. You may be able to get access to that. I don't because I don't have any Windows machines now, apart from the really old Dell Mini at my parents' house back in London, which runs XP and I haven't fired up in maybe seven years. So yeah, phone look is not a full substitute for a proper iMessage app. When pressed on whether Apple will make iMessage available on other platforms, Apple CEO Tim Cook didn't seem keen. I don't hear our users asking that we put a lot of energy in on that point, he said last September. But for non-Apple people, especially Android users, suffering with that taboo green text bubble among blue iMessages, Microsoft's phone link shows there is indeed appetite for breaking down these arbitrary barriers between phone platforms. I mean, who cares, right? All right, let's move on to the Apple Watch Series 9 and what we might see in that release in about six months time. I'm still on my Series 5 and I'm wondering whether there might be a big jump up in specs and capabilities in the upcoming Series 9. And the answer is probably not. After such a big splash of a release, featuring both the Series 8 and the Apple Watch Ultra, representing a pretty big leap up from the Series 6 and 7, it looks like an incremental year coming up, with probably just a processor bump. It's probably going to be the equivalent of when iPhones used to get an update with an S at the end. Macworld's wishlist hopes that we could see a couple of design changes, such as the Series 9 adopting more of that flat aesthetic of the Apple Watch Ultra, and perhaps even getting a second physical button located on the opposite flank of the digital crown. On the Ultra, you can set it to trigger specific tasks, such as a stopwatch, workout, or flashlight functionality that would be an excellent upgrade to the existing Apple Watch design. We live in hope, but to be honest, I think that's a hope too far. Any non-invasive blood glucose tracking capability that I mentioned earlier is likely years away before it's ready for a consumer device. So I wouldn't be pinning any hopes on seeing this at this end of the current decade. And finally, Goldman Sachs is recommending buying Apple's shares for the first time in nearly six years after being on the sidelines as the stock soared. Apple has rallied more than 300% since the bank last had a buy equivalent recommendation in 2017. Goldman's new price target of $199 implies 32% upside from the stock's close earlier this week. And that's a lot of sales and a healthy profit margin that they're banking on. Let's hope that they have a banger in store for us to drive those sales. Subscribe and hit that bell to make sure you don't miss my next video. I'm Saab Johel and this channel is A+. I hope you've enjoyed this new feature. Please check this video out next. Thanks for watching. Cheers.